0: Okay, welcome to episode number 202 of the Take Flack podcast. I know it's been a while where all of us have recorded together. You're here with Pabilo, Chihuahua, Daniel, and myself, Olu. On this week's episode, we are going to give an update on the housing and rental market. We want to look at, are we going to see a crash? I think we've been talking about this year after year. Is the crash finally here? And then we're going to also look at the rental price, right? We've been impacted by inflation. We've seen this go up at record rates. What is the solution here, right? Especially for people that live in the UK, London specifically, it's starting to get to a point where it's unaffordable. So these are the topics we're going to dive into in this week's episode. But before we get started, let's just do a check-in because it's been a while. So, P, why don't we start with you on your social media? I didn't even know you were back in the country. I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I to see you on the beach, just <laughs> running, working out, health is wealth. What have yeah, you been yeah, up to?
1: Yeah. yeah, no, it's good. It's just part of the um family plan, family experiences that we set out to do at the start of the year, which was um you know, start traveling as a family. So uh we'll spent a week in Africa, which was really, really nice, uh, with the family, and um it's Just great to see the kids enjoy a different scenery and you know a different part of the world. So the plan is just to keep that going. And um yeah, we took a few years off just in terms of sacrificing, so it's nice to be able to be in that rhythm now of, of sort of traveling on, on a on a regular basis with the family.
0: Love it, love it. Another person that was traveling, I'm not sure if he's changed career from what he was previously doing to a Formula One driver um but daniel you were traveling to singapore do you have a deal planned up planned deal or something going on in the formula one space i feel like this is the second formula one event that you've attended no invite i don't i don't know what's going on yeah certain man are going on private jets <laughs> Others are going to singapore for formula one i never get an invite i don't know what's going on with this podcast <laughs> i don't know
2: what's going on oh uh, my god yeah um what can I say? It was a good time. I went for work, uh, but it was a it was a time where it was a very busy week in Singapore. A number of conferences going on, of course, as uh, you alluded to, Ollie, it was the F1 weekend for the the night Grand Prix. I was quite fortunate enough to to see Toto Wolff um, in Cut, a restaurant by Wolfgang Park, and actually meet head chef Wolfgang as well. So yeah, it's a very very small world. Um, We're speaking to some people from the Mercedes team. Uh, for a number of reasons but yeah it's it's a small world um got to see a glimpse of the practice session before i came back Well, sorry before i left singapore to come back to the uk but if i planned my trip properly i would have maybe stayed a night or two longer to to get um to watch the f1 because coincidentally i got offered some f1 tickets which uh, i managed to get an extension in my hotel room but the ch- the cost of changing flights was um a bit a bit, mo- bit more than i could absorb or willing for the company Mm -hmm. to absorb so yeah i was i was quite prudent in in that sense so yeah it was it was good time um of course the the primary reason was for work Uh, i never share the work i do on socials so i always keep that work related work and the fun part you might see but sometimes you may think i'm not as working as hard as i am but i guess um (laughs) the 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 results speak for themselves if you know you know (laughs) we we
1: haven't seen the results (laughs)
2: <laughs> well, uh, uh, the promotion, the promotion a months ago.
3: I think we've congratulated you, Daniel, We're already on that. But congrats, congratulations again, very well deserved.
2: Thank you, thank you. Uh,
3: and, oh, but um, I just, just want to add. I just yeah. want to add
2: before before I pass over. I just want you to know that I got back on the weekend, and I had a I had a recharge day on Monday, so it was a day of relaxation yesterday. <laughs> so today's a, a day back to work. <laughs> recharge yeah, just on that
3: man. on that last part Oli, any any comments regarding daniel's uh recharge day that he had
0: i've lost track of the amount <laughs> of recharge days weeks months this guy's taken i just, all i know is i'm in the wrong i'm working for the wrong organization i need more of these recharge days because the smile on daniel's face i'm sure is also coming across on his work as well because he's motivated and recharged but she yeah, well, it doesn't right. feel like you've been traveling like the other two i saw you do a post recently that you're giving back and you went up to cambridge what you've been up to for the last few weeks
3: yes yeah, good um i'd say probably it's funny pabila and i were having a conversation that i essentially gave myself like three or four months off during the summer i think the last few weeks have been trying to kind of get back into the um the swing of things overall been been good i think the last few weeks definitely been very inspired I would say by the next generation coming up so I had the chance to do a pupils to professionals initiative where we took 15 kids from a school that I'm um, part of uh, as part of their leadership team we took 15 kids to Cambridge for their first experience of Cambridge University to walk through the colleges and to see their inspiration and to look through this historic environment and look at it and rather than think of it as some abstract thing on paper actually walking through it, feeling it and feeling inspired that actually you know what I could apply and go, um, that was really nice to to be around and kind of given me the fuel to keep pushing on. And actually, even today, I got the chance to go to um, Central London for the day and connect with the SEO London community, which I think is a community that we are uh, familiar with. I've done some virtual sessions with them in the past. And I got the opportunity to go up today and speak to about 100 students there about Working in the company that I have done, the experiences that we've all shared. I actually spoke a lot about the podcast. And, and what I loved about it is those students there, they're like 20, 21 years old, all studying, all very focused on their career, but they're all already thinking about property, rent to rent, drop shipping. These are terms that I wasn't aware of that. Uh, what, 10, 11 years ago. And these guys are already at the forefront and some of them have got very viable businesses. So I think overall, I'll to answer your question. I'm very inspired at the moment with the next generations that's, that's coming through. Um I think what we're doing in this in this podcast and the conversations that we're having definitely uh, provides a path to them to shoot for for even more. So yeah, it's been a, an eventful couple of weeks.
0: Love it, love it. On my side, um unfortunately, I've had a, a step back on my my career prospect in terms of Saudi uh making as a footballer um as I was getting ready for sort of next year and the rollout um oh. <laughs> no I'm joking let me be serious um, um I'm good I'm well um been pretty much working for the last um sort of week or so but unfortunately I've now got a knee injury um due to football um the sad part it
2: was um that, 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 that ninja didn't stop you from enjoying your weekend
3: yeah <laughs>
2: <laughs> that ninja did not stop you from enjoying your weekend yeah. did not stop you from enjoying your weekend whenever <laughs> whenever
3: whenever anyone sees a video of Olu looking at himself in the when, mirror, the mirror, when the mirror when the mirror comes
1: out it's a problem <laughs> the mirror is just Oli did me. you wear before, Oli, before, reference, before you did leave you wear, did you wear a knee brace that night On or, or no knee brace
0: oh no no I'm, I've got a knee support every 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 single day I've got a knee support <laughs>
2: But it didn't stop him. That's the thing. It didn't stop him. It didn't
0: stop me going. Um, I was supporting a friend, a friend's event, so I turned up at it. Mm. Um, but I wasn't able to get down low on the dance floor. Kabila would be disappointed with my moves. I was stiff, (laughs) stiff, stiffer than usual, should I say? Um, but yeah, no, um, I had a football injury. Um, the sad part about it is is the fact that it was a non-contact injury so it wasn't even caused by someone else so you, could, you can't even blame someone else yeah, uh, like, you miskicked the ball in that. That I didn't say all of that I didn't, oh, say, all oh, oh.
3: <laughs> I didn't say all of that um, isn't but, that oh. two in a row Olu that you've had non-contact injuries I think it's time to retire bro Come on. you know
0: he, tra- he
1: tried to <laughs> nah the other,
3: the other time <laughs> that was, was also contact non-contact bro. bro you said it was non-contact That's I don't remember if it was contact
2: no no no, no, no ro- 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 Olu <laughs> the jokes aside though you have to be careful because Mm. I know someone that last month they did their Achilles and they're in a the boot. Mm. So you know we're we're 30 plus now. That the, yeah, the time yeah. to heal in, we're not professional where they say, Oh, out for six weeks, three weeks, they start rehabilitation. Be out for nine months to a year. Also, I, you got I, you got some like work and driving. I think you know, I think he's like looking for an exit. He's
1: he's trying he's trying, he's trying I to I to hear you guys yeah. football. <laughs> Be
0: but careful, the way you gotta look at this where you're passionate about something, yeah and you've been doing something all your life and if it wasn't for certain opportunities and injuries when you were younger you probably would have made it you yeah. know you still want to just continue that I'm just saying, continue that, kept, that passion be, be, yeah. I'm saying, I will kept, I will be I'll for, be out kept. for the next few weeks um, so I'm now back on my road to recovery I know P does his road to November or whatever <laughs> journey <laughs> my road to recovery so we'll yeah, see. this
1: year this year is different I'll, I'll share this one
0: I can't wait to hear about it I can't wait to hear Okay, but let's get started. So to get this episode started and just to provide some context, I'm just going to give some headlines, some key data, how we got to where we are, um, and then I'll open it up and let's have a discussion, a debate about the housing crisis um, and what some of the solutions, potential solutions might be. So we've seen... Immense amount of inflation, right? I think the latest UK CPI data is saying that we're approximately around six point eight percent when it comes to inflation. Now, that's six point eight percent. Now, at one point, we were roughly around eleven percent inflation. This was mainly due to the war in the Ukraine, that having an impact on energy, food prices, us seeing supply chain disruptions, uh, a strong demand. and then as inflation starts the next thing and the way the government the bank of england tries to impact that is through increased rates now right now our bank of england interest rate is around 5.25% if i was to tell you um sort of 2 years ago right december 2021 we were at 0.25 so you can imagine the increase we've seen over a short period of time. The next actual meeting for the Bank of England is in a few days. It's going to be on the 21st of September. So even by the time this episode comes out, we would have heard what the new interest rate is. A lot of people are expecting that this will continue to go up due to the fact that we're still seeing high inflation, especially in the housing and the service sector of the CPI. Um, But... The problem that we're seeing, and I think there's been a delay reaction when it comes to um, the housing prices, is because even though we've seen the increase in the interest rate, not everyone has felt it yet. Um, a lot of data is saying that roughly around 800,000 um, homeowners who are on fixed mortgage rates will have to go to new rates at the end of this year. They're also predicting around 1.6 million. Um um, household uh, household um, mortgages will end a fixed period at the end of 2024. So a lot of people who historically was were on that low one two percent interest rate will now have to feel the burden of going to the higher interest rates. Right now, what was sort of the two things that sort of popped up and made me start considering are we currently in a housing crisis? Is data has come out to say that the UK mortgages in arrears have jumped to a seven-year eye, right? So now they're saying around this is up 28.8% versus last year. And what you what we mean about mortgage arrears is really mortgage owners not being able to pay their fixed rate or their mortgage interest and having to go back and um, go on um, go in arrears so owe the bank and not be able to pay. Now, a lot of this is due to really the borrowing costs, right? Interest rates have gone up. A lot of people are not being able to afford that. This has also caused, I think this year, we started to see house prices actually drop. So the data shows around 4.6% house prices have dropped year over year, right? So just to make this a little bit real before I open this up, right? Um, I've got a property which is currently on the market, which I'm looking to sell. Every month I check Zoopla just to see what the Zoopla valued the house, right? I saw when I checked it this month, so looking at the August data, it showed that the property valuation, and again, Zoopla's estimates has dropped 10%, right? I would class that as a correction in most cases. So I know we've been hearing about this for quite a bit of time, but it'll be good to open up, P, get your opinion on, as one of the people that invest in property quite heavily, are we currently in a property crash? Are we going to see a significant property crash over the years um, and what your opinion on that is? Yeah.
1: So I, I think firstly, Oli, you opened it really nicely um, with regards to the different points and factors for people to consider. I think the first thing that came to mind when we looking at this episode is I think for the listeners, it's important to understand the difference between a correction and a crash. And although there's no sort of standard definition, you can kind of distinguish a crash being anything that's more than 20 percent in the decline. Whereas a correction is probably between ten to twenty percent. So, are we seeing a sort of a, a sort of a serious crash, or is it more of a of a um, of a correction? And I can share my thoughts as I as I sort of provide some factors. So, I think I think, um, and also as a reference point, the financial crisis that we experienced back in two thousand eight, that was a crash of around twenty percent decline or more. So, there's a couple of factors. Oli, you've mentioned a couple of them too. I just wanted to put on the table which. Um, People need to look at when weighing up, what kind of market or arena are we in? What kind of challenges are we facing? And I think some of these factors that I mentioned are sort of moving us more closer towards that deeper correction, more crash. And some other factors are sort of offsetting that. And I think there's two factors which offset us heading towards a crash anytime soon. And I think one of them is around loose, loose, looser or loose lending practices We're not seeing. We're not in an environment. We're not seeing behaviors whereby banks and other lenders are practically giving money away with little background checks and due diligence on the customers that they're actually um, borrowing to, which is which is great, and that's actually something that we saw quite significantly um, in the financial crisis, and that also speaks to the fact that we're not seeing. I think the regulations are not as relaxed as they were in many years um, before. So I think those two are really helping us. In the current environment that we're in. However, when you look at the side of things, as Olu, you mentioned, we have seen record low interest rates where the government has tried to really stimulate the economy to get people out buying again. I don't personally think that that was actually a primary reason as to why we saw a surge in people buying houses back in 2021. I think it's the other factor, which is around excess liquidity. So people having saved up money during the COVID period and there being sort of money pumped into the system that liquidity, then, you know, there's not so many assets for it to absorb it. That has, I think, been a primary reason as to why we've seen the rise in um, house prices, which then we're starting to see now um, the call off. I think a couple of other factors to sort of keep in mind. Have we seen a lot of speculation? Uh, have we seen a lot of investors sort of buying a ton of houses to actually then sort of get in and flip for profit to an extent? Uh, have we seen a buy to let frenzy where people have sort of, or a fear of missing out where people sort of want to get on the housing ladder because they're seeing prices are going up also to an extent. So these are some of the factors that eventually can move us towards, you know, what we're talking about now, which is which is sort of a, a crash. And I think maybe the last factor to consider or keep in mind is... Sorry, we- Pete,
0: before you go to the last factor, right? Because you mentioned two points which I find really interesting around the liquidity that mm. people have and the speculation, Right. How do you think, because I agree with the liquidity element, but what do you think in regards to just affordability, right? Because when it was lower interest, a lot of people can afford it. And I know I was looking at some data to say, okay, who are buying properties? One third of the people buying properties are cash buyers. So I'm guessing older generations, they've got a lot of cash they can afford whatever prices, et cetera. Then you've got first time buyers, which all of us have been at one particular point, Whereas gullible right you buy whatever you you look at whatever you can afford you most times you go for the most expensive one um or the maximum you can afford and then you just buy it but i guess my point is at some point it's going to break due to affordability and higher interest rates our salaries are not going up at that rate so either this whole property thing will stay stable in my mind but it will increase the wealth gap because now the only people that can afford it will already be the wealthy And they'll own more assets, more housing, or it's going to get to a period of time where it's just going to crash. and prices will just drop um, lower than twenty percent. I guess. What's your opinion there?
1: Yeah, no. So, so that's absolutely correct. Um, House prices compared to historic, there's actually a neat timeline that shows you know the gap between affordability and house prices have completely widened compared to the past. So it's completely outstripped affordability. I I, again, the question always comes back to: Do we see more than a twenty percent? Uh, change in prices over a six to 12 month period. I personally don't see a crash, but I see a very um, heavy correction. So that could be within the 15%. And I think I've also mentioned that um, um, before. So affordability, yes, much more challenging, and which is why you're going to see a lot more people renting, but then renting now was becoming a bit of a challenge in renting, which we'll come on to and discuss. Uh, but that's actually a, a, a known fact. And I think, you know, one thing also to add as well, in what we're going, to, I think one of the things that we're also going to see as a sort of pattern is ownership changing hands. To landlords are going to sort of say, "Look, it's no longer as profitable as it was before. I want to sell." Then you've got a dynamic of people that are saying, like you mentioned, that can't afford, so they don't want to buy. What I think potentially will will kind of save the housing market to an extent is large institutions looking to come in and sort of buy the house and stock at bulk. And I think that effect will help to offset us going into sort of that crash territory somebody will pick up these assets and I think it's a more of a change in ownership as opposed to how we're we going to get some of the younger people to buy I, part of that ship has already been has, has sailed.
0: I love that sorry I interrupted you had a third point you were going to mention in regards to
1: yeah I think I think one of the last points around it's more around a, a weighing factor that could lead us more towards correction crash which is something there needs to be some sort of government intervention with regards to Um, construction companies, new builds. We're seeing a lot of construction companies go bust and we're always behind demand in terms of how many houses we actually need to build here in the UK. So that's something where what I see is not a crash like 2008, but I see very prevalent challenges that we need to tackle. Um, So And that are kind of also, not isolated, but we need to tackle these. And, And one of them is sort of, how do we tackle that issue around making sure that we're keeping relatively in demand with building new homes because the construction industry is is under um it is sort of um more stressed than it was before
0: great so i think p you've explained really great on a sort of macro level understanding explaining what a crash is the details of um the housing market but i think for a lot of our listeners right let's let's bring it home for them and shua well, you can chime in but if i'm someone that's looking to buy a property is this the right time to buy? What What would you What would you recommend there? I've got a deposit, let's say 30, let's say 50K. I've got 50K, right? I want to buy a property that's worth 300K, 250, 270, whatever, the average price in the UK. Would you recommend someone to buy at this particular time? Sure. Do you want to share maybe your, your thinking?
3: Yes, yeah, so I'm happy to jump into this. And so I think just a couple of quick points before I um, answer that question, Olu, that you shared, because it is a great question. I'm sure it's on everyone's mind. I think just to compliment a bit on the, the great points that Pavilo made, I think the, the other factors that I think for all of us to consider during this macro environment is also one um If we are to go with a 15 to 20%, let's say 10 to 20% reduction or 15%, as Pabila guided us towards, if you take that reduction and see where we are historically in terms of real estate as an asset class, it's still in a great position overall if you take the 10, 15 year horizon from where it was to now. So if it takes that 10 to 15% correction, But we're still at a level where we're at 2020 prices or 2021, depending on which area, depending on what type of asset class. Is that still a better way to put your money than some of the other alternatives? That's a question for you to think about. Right. And it's a variable to think about. The other thing that I would say, rather than looking at a residential investment or trying to buy a house for yourself, just focusing more on the investment side of things. A lot of the investments and the valuations that you'll be making will be derived based on the rental income. And as we've all seen in every part of the UK, rental income continues to be very strong and continues to appreciate probably faster than the values of the house. And typically, for a commercial loan or for an investment loan, that will be derived from the rental income rather than the bricks and mortar valuation for the house. So, this is another thing to think about when you're making an investment, putting a personal investment or a residential purchase to a side. But when you're looking at an investment, decision. Is it derived off the rental income? And if the rental income is going up and the demand is going up, then that valuation hit should be a bit lower. So just a couple of things I just wanted to add. Now to go to Olu's uh, great question, should I buy? Again, if I bucket it into two categories, then it'd be great to get um, everyone's view as well. Buying it as an individual investment for somewhere to live, I'm just going to park that to one side and just focus at the moment on investment properties. If you're looking at an area where you don't have a particular advantage, maybe you don't know the market, you don't have agents, you don't know the demand, you don't know the tenant profile you're trying to go for, it's going to be a completely brand new investment. Does it make sense at this stage to go into a new area and invest? For me personally, no. If on the other hand, you've got the opportunity to buy from someone who you've already bought properties from before, you've got the opportunity to buy a property, and you know exactly how you can force the appreciation through work. You know exactly the planning permission requirements. You've got a team of great, great uh, construction partners as well. If you've got all those pieces and you've got a deal that falls on your table and against a rate backdrop of six and a half, seven percent, you can still make money on that deal. I personally am still going to move ahead with that deal with all those factors available. So it's definitely on a case by case basis from an investment perspective. If it's brand new, personally, I wouldn't do it. But if it's an area that I know very well and I've got a great deal and it can make financial sense in this environment, then in five years time, when rents are going to continue to move up one direction, appreciation will continue to move up in one direction and my interest rate would just get lower from today. Then it would just be even more of a better decision long-term. But again, on a case by case basis, I'm going to pause there before talking about the personal investment view, because it'd be good to get everyone's view, but any, any thoughts on the, on the investment? i take the same question. And I look at it from a personal standpoint. So a first time buyer,
1: my advice would always be it. If you, you should buy a piece of property to live in or to invest in, if you can afford it. And there's two types of affordability. There's one, not overstretching yourself to actually buy it and to put that down payment in. So you still have some capital and savings left over for unexpected emergencies moving forward. The second affordability test is then your ability to pay the monthly uh, repayments over that period of time. And they say on average, 40% of people's expenses are related to the mortgages. So maybe, so if you do the calculations and you say, look, I'm going to, I'm, I have 50,000 pounds to your point, Olu, uh, Once I finished this purchase, I put 15% down as a down payment. I would never, uh, you know, advise, you know, taking on, you know, a 90% loan to value or anything along those lines. It's 15% down. And it works out that my, you know, monthly payments are 800, maybe to 900 pounds a month. If that's sort of 30 to 35% of your total expenses, it is shaping up to be a relatively good purchase. So irrespective of potentially how the market looks, If you can afford it, you should buy it. And there's two types of affordability to keep in mind. Where people go wrong is I think they stretch themselves on both, Um, Mm. um, putting all their money into the property and not having anything left over. And then two, just about being able to manage those repayments. That's not a wise move to
2: make. I think you touched a great point there, Pete. not just in property, but in life. I think just because you can buy something doesn't mean you can afford it because you may be able to put up the startup capital what can purchase the asset or whatever it may be but can you maintain it for example another analogy is a car you can afford the deposit for a car you can buy a car say outright if you want to buy it cash if that's your your thing but can you maintain it in terms of servicing road tax insurance MOTs fuel etc so that's a that's very key to, to think about when you're buying something is not just think about the now and the present but think about the future as well That's good. What about, um, if I pose a question, there's some people that
0: have already purchased properties, right? So they might have purchased properties beginning of this year, last year, where some people might say they were at the top of the market. They've seen all this, their headline around corrections in price. They've checked on Zoopla. They now see that technically their properties are negative equity. So what that uh, negative equity means is, what you're basically saying is that your the amount that you own, so the loan that you have with the bank, is higher than the property is valued. So if for some reason you were selling it at that particular value, you actually owe the bank money to be able to cover the gap between your loan and the value of the property. What would you say to someone like that in that situation? Because I can
2: imagine that's very daunting. But then the question you have to ask yourself is, are you looking to sell the property right now? Because mm-hmm. if you're not, that's kind of immaterial. If you think about you're going to own a property for a number of years right now it might me in negative equity but over time the house property may appreciate that the value of the property eclipses the loan that you owe to the bank or to your your finance provider so I think in a very short term it doesn't really matter like I don't for right. example I'm not sure I'm, I'm sure all of us in our you know do we check every single day, the value of our property. <laughs> if it's, it's, it's not, you're not, you're not going to check it because ultimately, even if it was appreciated to 2,000%, would you sell it now, right here and now? Maybe you'd look to start selling it, but you wouldn't be able to do it within a day. So if, you're, if you've are if you bought a house recently and it's a negative equity, I would say don't fret because it's, in the long run, it's an investment for the future, which right now might be negative. But as sure likes to say, everything's going to move top right one direction i like that i
1: like that Daniel,
0: i really like that um, <laughs> let me top add right. some complexity Trust me. <laughs> let me add some complexity with that because i absolutely agree with everything you said let's add a complexity you're about to come to a remortgage at uh yeah. next year now your valuation yeah. does matter because the bank will then look or end of next year let's say for example end of 2024 now the valuation does matter because the bank will look at the value when borrowing and say, "Hey, you either have to pay down some of that equity to get back in line." What would you do in that situation?
2: I think if you, I actually think if you in the next year you're remortgaging, I think you might be in a better position than most people are right now, given that I think inflation will calm down to some degree by end of next year, hopefully. But what I would say is, um, people, many people don't know, you can start to, you know, lock in a rate six months before your, your deals up for a remortgage. If you're with the your current provider, you can lock it and lock in a rate similar like to a future option or a derivative contract. You can you know agree a price right now for the future date without obligation to exercise at that um at that strike price. But also you should shop around for alternative deals that may come into effect. At the same time start to save because you need to save if you haven't got an emergency fund set up start to try and absorb any um, unexpected costs through your savings. And many people don't like to dip into their savings. Your savings are there for a reason. Your emergency fund are there for a reason. Use them when it's important and when it's the right time. You don't use your savings for a holiday unless you've got a bucket of savings for holiday. But if it's um, a savings for you know emergency fund, dip into them.
0: Mm-hmm. I was going to ask you guys because you guys are always on holiday. I was like, so what are you guys using for holidays? Is it crypto? <laughs> is it stocks? Or is it rental
3: <laughs> rental property yeah uh, rent. one, one thing, thing <laughs> i'll just add and this complements um what P was saying earlier about the the affordability and what daniel was saying about the the maintaining i think if you're in a situation where your remortgage is coming up and again i'll give, I'll give a real life scenario here i have an investor that has invested in um Ahmed capital group has been very happy with investing investing with me for a few years and now because on their property that they live in the remortgage is coming up they're looking to close the investment with me, which is perfectly fine, and recalibrate by using those funds and pay down their actual personal home because of the fact that rates are going up. They've looked at their finances and they thought, okay, with the rates going up, we can pay down more of that mortgage amount that we are comfortable with. Um, And they've been able to get a very healthy return with Armored Capital Group. Uh, And then now with that, they can actually balance their, their payments. So that's that recalibration point that Daniel was saying and what P was saying about affordability. The only other point that I would add to this discussion is now where the rates are going. I know, Olu, you mentioned about if you have already purchased a property, but if you're in that window of thinking about buying, and Pabila and I have had this conversation as well, if you're in that window where you're thinking about buying, where the rates are now, you will need to put a substantial amount of deposit up to try and lower the monthly payments, or you pay less and pay a higher monthly amount. But depending on the area of the UK you're looking at, maybe you're looking at investing abroad, that monthly payment that you'll be paying now with a mortgage could be very similar to what you would paying if you were renting out a very similar property, or may even in some cases be higher than if you were to rent in another area. And you could even find better properties that you could be happy to rent um, in a different area for a shorter period of time to, to kind of ride out this this environment. So that's the other thing that I would say to consider. If you haven't looked to purchase and you haven't found something that you've loved and you're happy to wait around, then actually having a look at the rental market, you could potentially find some good opportunities that become a lot more attractive now than they would have been 12 months ago. Yeah, I think
1: it's a great segue to, to the rental um, um, aspect. One thing I'm going to actually say, Olu, because I know you made it a very complicated case, but I was just trying to think. Uh, top of my head if someone at this stage of the cycle is in negative equity then my assumption is that they would have refinanced very heavily you know uh, a year or, or a few years ago so they they would have they should be still on the capital to be able to manage th- that property moving forward
0: um, no, it could have been a first time buyer bought it last year and cuz there was a time when i was looking in the market um i think it was last year and i was going to view a property it was on the mm-hmm. market for 400 Mm-hmm. And I was like, cool, oh, put off for 400. They're like, <laughs> we've received 500. And you're like, huh? Who put 500? The guy asks for 400 and you give him 500. Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And then they took it on that 500. You remember some banks were not doing a stringent test in terms of valuation. Then everyone thought it was just going to continue going up, up, up. They're locked in. It's coming. They signed a two year mortgage, let's assume. Right. And now they value it maybe at 410, 400. Right. And they're like, "Oh, I'm now in negative equity." So there's a lot of cases like that, and I think that's where a lot of the properties will be coming back on the market, where it's either negative equity or affordability, where the interest rates went up even further than what it was a year, two years ago, right?
1: Yeah. If I, you, if, yeah. If, you, if I, I feel if you're in a negative equity situation now, I think that's um, that's quite unfortunate. That's um, that's a but series I think- of
0: bad decisions. But I think the key thing you want to do there, right, is you either say, okay, does it make sense to, don't don't hide your head under the sand, right? You can't ignore the situation. You either decide you're going to put on a market and sell, right? Can't take your loss. Because sometimes, same with stocks, I always say if you're, you've got a stock that's in negative or is down, sometimes the best thing you can do is sell, get that capital out and then reinvest. Versus keeping it stuck in something that's just losing money or not going up. And then the second thing you can do if it's something that you're living in and not an investment is use your savings or save money to see if you can pay down the equity so you can get back to a positive um, equity standpoint. But I think, Shaw, you transitioned really well into the rental market. Now, I did a quick um, look to see, OK, instead of me buying uh, my next property would it make sense for me to rent, right? So I spent some time on Zoopla just saying, okay, what does the rental market look like? And I was like, whoa, this does not look that good. (laughs) Uh, I think according to sort of the rental data, a lot of people are saying that it's gone up, some places have said up to 33% year over year increases on some of these rental prices. Now well, which, Olu, just just yeah, to which, quick, yeah, oh. you've you
3: you've got a CFO lifestyle. So the the places <laughs> that you're looking at will be very different to like a typical <laughs> typical property that someone been, I think uh, it's I think it's first of all it's good to spell out uh which places you're referring to that
1: on the 33% yeah, increase. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, exactly. No, no,
0: I'm not gonna give I'm not this is mainly obviously in London that is showing um, in prime locations. But I think on average... Prime normally- locations in
1: London. That's
2: that yeah, prime, that was capital city because, 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 because many people have watched Top Boy see that's London and I'm sure that's not the type of
3: area <laughs> of
2: area looking to, to rent. Uh, <laughs> no, I think, but on average, it's 12%, <laughs> right? But
0: I decided, okay, let me take all speculation out of it. And I decided to do a calculation. So I looked at a property that I have... Um, valuation sort of 300k right i looked at if i was selling it so if i was to buy that um, as a first-time buyer i would need roughly around 35k to purchase it that's a 10 percent deposit so 30k deposit and around 5k of fees right you don't need to pay any stamp duties on a 30k property right the the actual mortgage or the mortgage that you'll be paying on that property would be 1,000 842. So let's just say
2: 1800. What percent?
0: What's the what's the what's the that percentage? is on a 5.4 percent right. uh, mortgage rate, right? Um, and then assuming that property because it's a flat, right? Um, you have um service charge of around 200 pounds. So all in all, you're looking at around 2000 okay. pounds a month on that, right? So I looked at that exact same property, right? looked at what is that renting for currently on the market and i was like okay you could get a two same two bedroom um, flat for around 1600 so 1600 so there's a 400 pound gap between if it makes sense to rent or if it makes sense to 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 buy so i guess daniel i think the first part when you start to see that difference because i think historically um It used people used to say, oh, it's cheaper to buy than it is to rent back in the day. When you start to see that, I know this is a little bit slightly different. When you start to see that, um, what advice, what would you do in that particular situation where you see that gap between rental is lower versus um the the remortgage or the cost to have a mortgage? And then after that, I'm gonna move the conversation on just to talk about how high the rental market is at the moment and what solutions are there.
1: Just maybe just my reaction to your question, Olu. I think it always comes down to like alternative um, opportunity costs. So one way of looking at that situation is the difference is £400. That, you could look at that £400 as the piece to be able to live in my own home where I don't have to then answer to a landlord. It's £100 a week. That could be one way of looking at it. If you rent a place, they may increase the rent after 12 months or say, actually, we want to move on. Do you Are you in a position in your life where you can basically manage that? Maybe yes, maybe no. And then I think the other thing is, um, could you then take that deposit you would have put in that home where you're going to live in to then put elsewhere where you can maybe earn, the, earn money to then offset some of the rent? So I, I think people should look at it. Uh, I think what's important in the conversations that we're having is sometimes not to be so set in your ways and try to open up your thinking and do some scenario planning. Because you, in that case, it, you know, I think people, you could be, behaviors should change in different markets in different cycles.
0: And that's funny you say that, Pete, because I think watching some of your content, right, and there was a really good um, Steve Baller interview that he did with um, that Asian wealth guy. I can't remember his name, but one of the questions he posed was that naturally we've been programmed to say buy, buy a home, buy a home, buy a home. But sometimes it just doesn't make sense, right? Mm. And you need to look at your sort of goals, your life goals, your wealth goals, and ask yourself, okay, what do I like? If you're someone that likes flexibility, right, maybe buying and being stuck on a mortgage doesn't make sense for you, right? If you're someone that prefers stability, okay, maybe it does make sense for you, right? If you're someone that wants to, like you mentioned, use that thirty-five k and put into the stock market or other investments, etc. It might not make sense. So you've got to look at it based on your individual self and ask yourself, okay, what is my life goals? And then how do I dictate my decision based on that? But before you do that, it's always good to sit down and do the calculation. So I hope Mm. hope the listeners looked at how I looked at, okay, what was the value of it? What was the rates? How much would I be paying for my mortgage? And not even taking into consideration if it's your own home, you've also got the cost of fixing and repairing stuff yourself. True. If it's a landlord,
3: you also, can just yeah. say,
0: "Hey, mm-hmm. the the toilet's broken. Come and fix it." Right? That also needs to be added, it probably into the calculation as well, and then you make that decision. But getting back into yeah, it's the rental a, market, yeah, okay.
2: It's, it's it's going to say all because asked yes, you asked. You pointed that question at me about you know that four hundred pound difference. Of mm. course, it's a four thousand eight hundred pound a year difference between renting and owning a property. But I think there are many factors that come into play, whether depending on what stage of your life you're in. Whether you're young, you're looking to move abroad for work and be flexible and be nimble, or you're looking to sort of, you know, mark a territory, so to speak, and sort of just build on what the foundations you've laid already. But one thing that I think should also be factored in is when you're renting, or if you're, you know, if someone's renting at the time, they're thinking they want the flexibility. Also, understanding your purchasing power for when you want to buy, because if now you're renting and all your money is going into that rent what money do you have or what can you save to start building a deposit to a property that you want to buy so that's Mm. also something that should be factored in because yes whilst you might think okay I'll I'll rent but can you still save aggressively towards a substantial and and sufficient deposit for the property you want to buy in the future so that should Mm. also not be overlooked
0: thanks thanks Daniel but Daniel like right now when we look at the market and I'm not going to lie to you. Um, You guys cracked the joke about CFO money, right? Even when I was looking at the rental market, it was still quite daunting. And um, I just tried to imagine, okay, someone that lives in London on 30, 40K, how do they survive with this sort of increased um, rental prices where we're not in a regulated space? Landlords can just tell you it's going up year over year right and there's nothing you can do is there a solution to that what do we what yeah,
2: do we there do is. there there is Before is simple beef. before we oh, go on, what's the simple solution p it's adjust your taste mm. okay that's a good that's mm. a good
1: a lot oh, of okay. what we're talking about mm. comes down to people's people's consumption and their their appetite for consumption so you know we've all heard the, the sort of saying "Actual wage but if you're on 30 40k, you need to um behave in a way that that's that fits 30 40k. So so you know increase your earning power to then be able to afford um more. But I think adjusting your 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 appetite, your taste, and your consumption.
0: Let me be the devil's advocate, right? Hmm. Um because I, I I I agree with what you're saying, but let me be the devil's advocate, right? Is okay, let's increase that even to 40, 50 K. Some people still struggle to, what is the right price to be able to have a decent home in less? And we're basing this on in London. I know we have listeners all over the world and all over the UK. Right. But you just saying adjusting, I I can't, if my job, my work is based in London, what are you are going to tell me to move all the way to Sheffield and travel? What, how many hours to get into the office just to be able to work is that Right, is that fair? Is that how we should judge a society based on that? Like, what is the solution that like, we can't just all have private housing? Right, when our parents and a perfect example I can take about this is when our, my mom moved to this country, my parents moved to this country, right? She was on probably less than 30k, right? As a nurse living and working in London, right? At that time, we had lots of council homes. Um, some people equate that to more affordable homes, right? Which we're seeing a shortage in. She was able to build a life, afford, live for us to live in London, work in London. Um, thankfully, now we've got a whole family home in London as well. It was it was reasonable then, right? Now it's getting to a point where it is just not reasonable. And I understand, yes, adjust your taste. I'm more like some people can't afford to travel four or five times a year. It's but, just life, your salary is mm-hmm. not there. But what's the yeah, go on. Uh,
1: So it's it's going to vary based on every individual, but but the premise is. Do not live live within your means, below your means, but don't live above your means. So in that in that example where you mentioned the person making 30, 40, 50k, they may have to seriously consider living in a um house sharing um arrangement. Hmm. Right. So these are the choices that people have to make if they want to set themselves up for a brighter future. Put a put a plan together and make some tough choices around where you're living, how much you're spending on what you're living, and how much you're spending on entertainment and other things. The, the challenge is people don't want to make those tough choices. So they want to maintain their level of spending and still try to house hack and still try to fight through. And, and, and that's, I, I empathize with that challenge, but mm. they have to take a look at themselves because the interest rates changing will always happen. They happen before and they happen, they'll continue to happen. The mm. thing that we can control is our consumption. So this is, it's just that kind of, you know, guiding principle to pe- to, to people listening to this. It, it all comes down to your
0: consumption. Daniel, you have any views on this? What's your views?
2: Any well, view? uh, uh, we, we went we went different to, to where I think it was going, but I think ultimately on this same thread, the reason why the UK is the way it is is because the cost of labour versus the cost of living. That's ultimately what it is. Our labour force is so cheap, but the cost of living is high. If we, as a collective, demanded more wages salary in line with the cost of living would all be better off that's why you can go to the us and the cost of labor in the new york is much higher than the cost of labor in the uk so when you think about your roles compared um, compared to your peers in the us they get paid more because the cost of labor is higher than the cost of labor in the uk but that's a whole nother topic and i don't want to go into the weeds of it but that's something we should all factor in but when you think about just the numbers and the data behind where we are right now, so um, residential rents in August jumped by 12% on average according, um, across the UK. I think Olu went into some of these numbers at the beginning, with London led the way by 17%, although Olu's areas that he was looking at were 33% on a year to year rise um, to about 2,332 a month within London. So the capital itself experienced a double digit increase. Um, 16 of the past 18 months, which is a stark and huge number. And of course, the sharp jump in rental comes as as, um, the rate of interest rates rise and has increased mortgage repayments. Um, Rents across Great Britain have increased more in the past year than they did between 2015 and 2019. So that's also huge. So essentially, what can be done? Um, There are many pushes... Well, there's, there's a lot of push for the government to inter, intercede and step and do something here. Um, the unrelenting increases will add to the pressure in Westminster that are currently going on to tackle the rental crisis. It's currently a blame game um, erupted within the governing Conservative Party at the end of last week, actually, after the Renters Reform Bill, which would end a no-fault eviction in England, was delayed once again. So this no-fault eviction would prevent tenants from being evicted without justification. And specifically in London, the sharp increases have put the capital at the forefront at, um, of a nationwide battle to cope with the spiral of rented accommodation, come a key cost of living pressure for millions of households and prompted calls for political action. Sadiq Khan, London's Labour mayor, um, has repeatedly called for the government to take urgent action, included giving him himself powers to freeze rents in the city, and he said the national crisis in the rental market clearly demands further action from government. So right now, there are calls for government to step in to do something here. Keir Starmer you know, the, on the opposition, is saying that private, uh, you know, freezing freezing prices does has done nothing and it won't do anything. It won't solve anything, which mm-hmm. to someone I, I agree with. Even trying to get into to get a, a, a property to rent, it say, it's not. It's it's like a, it's like an auction. It's like a bid because while whilst the the 2000 a month or your analogy 1600 a month has been what said people are coming in to offer three grand because they want that property so it's like who has the deepest pockets to to go in and say i'm going to give you six months up front 12 months up front plus i want to over i'm going to overpay from what you're asking so i think you know right now what can be done i actually don't know you know PE said at the beginning you know adjust your taste which I, I think is to some degree right. But, you know, do I think the government stepping in to you know, to slow this down is the right thing in the long term? Probably not. And I, the reason is because I just don't trust the government. I don't. I just don't trust that what they do and the actions they take help the UK in the long run. And we've seen many different examples of that over the years of where they stepped in. But then everyone's wondering why we're living in such you know uh, an expensive period of time but well, think about you know three four years ago when they, they did they they stepped in yeah but i don't want to go i don't want to go on a rant because
0: no and i think daniel you've mentioned <laughs> some really good points i think one it starts with um the wages and the salary right which is how much people demand the problem with that which i see there is if people get more salary alluding back to peace point in terms of people would just pay more so that would then just create an inflation which is what we see right now with the value and then again do i trust the government in terms of the solutions that they have no um i think one of the good things i've seen um, is the in new york they have um a cap on what is the maximum you can increase properties for year over year i think that will protect um um renters I think that's one element. And then secondly, I think what P mentioned earlier in terms of how do you remove some of the roadblocks in terms of constructions, in terms of making more affordable homes in the UK where the government are the the quote unquote backers of these, right? Um, To ensure that people are able to afford. But then again, I don't believe everyone can have everything they want where they want. Like you can't, not everyone can afford to live in zone one, two, three of uh, London. If you're on 30K, you have to just adjust to the reality of life when you have to go further out, right? But I do believe that you want to make it so that some of these locations maybe is, okay, investment in the connection to London so you're further out cheaper prices but transportation into London you put a train I know they created Elizabeth line and stuff like that will allow you to get into those areas quicker but then the problem is how do you ensure maybe you look at affordability calculations and when I say affordability you're probably doing it the other way around so instead of you doing it in terms of um, if you're someone that earns 100k you're not able to buy in these particular locations because we know what will happen then the prices will also go up but I think it's a very complex situation. Shuwa, do you have any um, points that you want to highlight? Before we yeah, maybe,
3: about? maybe to um, to add to, to to some of the great points already. I think this is, this is a very very difficult topic to talk about because I think the situation where you're really struggling to pay rent, you're struggling to pay bills things are going up. Ultimately, we're not in that scenario, right? So if anyone is going through that, I have a lot of empathy for that. And I understand that is a struggle. But if I try to keep this practical for people that are potentially mobile, that can move around, that are looking for options, anchoring it against the life that and the experience I think I've had, and I think we've collectively had the things that I would think about are probably the following. One, if you're in an area where you're earning a certain amount, I think it's worthwhile having a serious consideration if you are flexible if you're mobile is this the area in which that i can get the most for the effort that i'm putting in whether that means relocating companies whether that means even relocating countries if you're in that situation again there's a big caveat where you're mobile you're flexible you're young this is a serious question to ask yourself where it may not be comfortable to do that but this may be the option long term that helps you then the other element is as p P said about adjusting your taste. And I think the way that you've coined that P is perfect. Adjust your taste. To add a bit more meat to that, adjust your taste could mean sharing accommodation with a friend or flat sharing with a group of people. And again, here to give a very practical example, in 2012, after I finished university, I moved to Switzerland and the accommodation that I was living in in Switzerland for that summer was dead. It was um, student accommodation, old, tattered. But I was there because I moved for an opportunity, right? And at the end of that internship, I was given a contract that would have paid me a lot more than if I was in the UK. So again, I had to move, suffer, and now I'm up. Then in the last 10, 11 years, five of those years in Switzerland, majority of those years, I was flat sharing. So I could share the the rent and I was renting at the same time as well, which allowed me to save and invest. And then in the other five places, that I five years that I spent living abroad in Tokyo, Sweden, and Denmark, I found an employer. I was able to show them value in terms of the work that I was doing, and in return, they paid for my accommodation living in those countries. So that again enabled me to save money as well. So the question that I have for the listeners is: if you're in that scenario, then really ask yourself, where can I put myself where I could increase my income? But then also alluding to what Pabilo said about adjusting your taste, where can I still find ways where I can earn more but split the costs uh, and then ultimately allow yourself to to save and invest in in um in other things
0: thank you no, thank you, um Shihuahua. I think you mentioned some fantastic points there um and I think this has been a really good episode. I think we covered really a lot of practical examples and um solutions for a lot of our listeners out there um so Hope you've enjoyed this and I'll pass it over to Daniel to close us out.
1: Daniel, just before you close out, on a very serious note, um, because we are touching on something which is happening now live and it's just come to me now. If anyone that has been listening to this episode is finding themselves in a challenging situation, whether it's negative equity, whether it's um, experiencing landlord increase in rents, or they're just not quite sure what to do next, Please reach out to one of us on social media, on email, because we would happily take the time out to sort of discuss with you and share with you in more depth some ideas and things that you can actually do. Because I, I, I recognize that um, we could have some listeners, listeners that are really facing the issues that we've mentioned. So, so that's
0: just something. Please reach out. Peter, that was amazing. I like that. I pass on to Daniel to close out
2: so yes we thank you for, for joining us on this, this episode 202 of Take Flight Podcast we hope you found it enlightening enjoyable, entertaining but also um, some key informa- information being shared with you all as well uh, until next time stay safe stay well but as always find us on Take Flight Podcast on Instagram YouTube and TikTok where we welcome your comments and your feedback until next time stay
3: safe Take off, take flight with you. We never fly away.